Jesus, it's your word. So Jesus, you do what you do best. And that's open our minds and hearts to your word. We're at a place where we know you reign supreme. And Lord Jesus, you empower us the way of your Holy Spirit. So help us to glean new truth. Help us to reinforce truth that we've heard from the beginning, beginning in which we were born again. And help us to, to get alone and intimate with you today in this communion. May all the things prepared work for people to put everything aside and concentrate on you, Jesus. Lord, if there's somebody here who doesn't know you as Lord, help them to get the information of how to be born again before they leave this service and not partake in communion, if that be the case. But if they come and get born again, Lord, then we can have communion together. And Lord, one more thing. You tell us if we're holding something against one another, a person in the church, somebody, a relative, a neighbor, if you have some unfinished business where you have laid on our hearts that's just not quite right, help us to deal with that right now through a text, a phone call, uh, leaving the auditorium for a moment to get that right. As uh, your apostle Paul says, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We just want to have our conscience and heart pure as we partake in this communion day, Jesus. In your precious name, amen. Review from last week up on the board here. Be holy, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim. We talked about that. I talked to you about never meeting my mom. The detective found her a couple days after I did a missing persons report, since I have never seen her in 51, 52 years at that time, and, uh, and found her, and uh, I found out she didn't want to see me. She didn't want to get to know me. She didn't want to know anything about me because my dad was, was, I guess, kind of on the nasty side. You might call it naughty. He did come to Christ, though, my dad before he died. And that was huge. It just took us, I think, four to six months of taking him to lunch after the service. Um, but, it, it, I mean, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. So, so anyway, uh, I was bummed out, as I told you, and the next day, um, the next two or three days, I had to preach. And so I just basked in God's glory, his goodness. And the pain of, of my mom dissipated in, in the light of his glory proclaiming his word, and then leaving with the hope that someday I would, well, reconvene or actually get with her again, because the only time I was with her was at my birth. So, a little review from last week. Remember Francis Chan? He had that rope, and he had, it rope went on forever, and he had that much of it in like, in painted red. And he said, we as humans, we just live we just live for this piece in the red. That's the vapor, which is our life. 
forgetting that we've got all eternity to live with Jesus in a much better place and state. And so, but, but golly, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to work till I get right there, and then I'm going to retire, and I'm going to experience about three to five years here of just of bliss. But the thing we don't realize without Jesus, it's not going to be bliss if we just forego our relationship with him. And the things that, well, helped us to practice holiness. So he brought that home nicely. If you get a chance, look at it if you didn't see it um, or if you weren't here for that, uh, take a look at that. But, but that was last week. Holy Spirit in and through us to practice holiness. Boy, when we heed the Spirit, put away the things of the world, we're soaring with a little heaven on earth. And part of that today is you making the decision to come to worship today. Lots of things you could have been doing instead of this, right? Lots of things. So praise the Lord that you're here today. Okay, so brace yourself. I know the cartoon's always, always a challenge with me, but here we go. Come on, it's communion. Come on, come on. It's an innovative way to boost attendance. So, um, okay, that was pretty good. That was like, that was unsolicited. Like, I didn't have to prompt you and say, I'm waiting. No, this went, this went smooth. I didn't even have to read it right away. Thank you for that. Thank you, Lord. Okay. Welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Communion. Communion. Time of Intimacy. A time for us to remember Jesus, his sacrifice, his shed blood, the new covenant that we're saved under. Actually, actually, if you're going to get technical and a little bit specific, we're, we're actually saved under the Abrahamic covenant. But Jeremiah 31, 31 talks about a new covenant where our sin will be no more and forgiven if we're born again. So that's kind of what, what, we're, what we're here realizing and doing. It's kind of nice. It's kind of cool that Jesus, he lived to die. Like that song goes, Rejected and alone, like a rose, trampled on the ground. He took the fall and thought of me above all. So, so cool. Okay. If you have your Bibles, I'm not going to put the text on the screen right away. Turn to Luke 22, please. Luke 22. In your heading, it may say, the disciples prepare for the Passover. I'm so glad that we're looking at truth today. We're looking at truth today. John 8, 30 and 31, the truth will set us free. 
I had a bike store um, employee that I felt set free from. He didn't quote scripture, but he gave me truth for the day. And it's not as good as this truth, but I was in buying bicycle parts. And I said, hey, if I buy these pedals, I can save about 30 grams. Wait. If I buy these shoes, these clip-in shoes, I can save another 20 grams of weight. Yeah. And I was like getting a little bit obsessed. And the guy goes, nice guy. He goes, he goes dude, why don't you just lose a little weight? <laughs> honest, honest to goodness. Honest to goodness. Totally said that. I said, you know what? That's, that's a good point. He goes, yeah, just save your money. One of the employees, yeah. Yeah, honest to go- True story. So truth is good because it was true. God's, worth is, God's word is amazingly true. Okay, Luke 22. Disciples prepare for the Passover. So Jesus, Jesus would have been partaking, and he did partake of the, past, the Passover feast a couple times, this being his last. Let's read. Actually, before I start in verse 7, verses 3 through 6, read on your own right now. 3 through 6, you need that to answer a question in about two minutes. You're reading verse 3 through 6 on your own. Okay, so you're going to be ready to move on when I move on here. Please look to the screen. Leonardo da Vinci. What a painting. The Last Supper. Very expensive painting. You can get replicas. You can buy it. Who do you uh, know from Scripture that's on the right of Jesus? And don't say Mary Magdalene. It wouldn't be true. But it kind of looks, looks like a girl. That's <laughs> just the painting. Who's on the right of Jesus? Bible tells us John. Who's on the left of Jesus? The seat, the guest of honor. Judas. Judas. Yeah, thanks, Dr. Charlie. He's our association representative. Put your hand up there, and thanks for being here today. Yeah, so, yeah, that would be, uh, yeah, that'd be Judas. And so, you know the saying, keep your enemies, well, your friends close, and your enemies closer. But he's in the, uh, Judas is in the seat, uh, the honored guest seat. He, he probably thought quite a bit of himself, obviously. But, um, yeah. I still think, uh, I still think some of them, you know, maybe 
look um, not all like men, but, um, but that's, uh, that's, that's one painting. Let me show you a more accurate picture of what this, uh, this feast probably looked like much more than this. So we've got a, a U for a table so the apostles can like lean on their, their left arm and then eat with their right arm, kind of laying down, kind of laying to the side. And the reason they had this U-shaped table is that it just maximized everybody to be able to see everybody, which is kind of cool. So there's, uh, there's more likely what we're looking at here. At the top, we've got the, what would be unleavened bread for the Passover. No leaven, no leaven, no good, no leaven, no good. And then we've got the actual bread loaf down below. What's interesting is Jesus, when he talks about the bread, he, he doesn't say unleaven. He doesn't say, he doesn't say with leaven. He just doesn't, he doesn't make that point. So, so any kind of bread seems to be okay. Now, if it's Passover, it's, it's, it's unleavened. That's a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a meal, and that's something that you would have, was established um, with the Mosaic Law, and we'll get into that in just a, a little bit. The cup, wine, not grape juice, wine. More watered down wine than what we have, but wine. Jesus, wedding at Cana, save the best for last. What did he do? He, 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 he made what? Wine. From what? Water. Excellent, yeah. So, uh, but look at the middle. It's not about the actual bread or what's inside the cup. It's about what they represent. If you're at home with your family, even though... Corinthians says, you know, do it in the assembly of believers, but you can still do communion at home, and especially if you can't get to church. If you use Kool-Aid, it's fine. What does it represent? Yeah, new covenant, shed blood. Same with the body, bread, pizza dough. Think, oh, yeah, what does it represent is what we're after. And today we come to remember. Okay. Here we go. Now the festival of unleavened bread arrived when the Passover lamb is sacrificed. When Jesus sent Peter and John ahead and said, go and prepare the Passover meal so we can eat it together. Verse 9. Where do you want us to prepare it? They asked him. He replied. Who replied? Jesus, yeah, good. As soon as you enter Jerusalem, a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you. Follow him. Now, what's unique about that? Who they're looking for carrying a water pot? Man or, man or woman? Yeah, they're looking for a man, according to the text, but what was customary for the day, it would have been a woman. So that's why it's easy to find. It's not like, how would he have found that? It would be a man carrying it. That's what's unique. At the house he enters, say to the owner, the teacher asks, where is the guest room 
And where can I eat the Passover meal with my disciples? He will take you upstairs to a large room that is already set up. That is where you should prepare our meal. They went off to the city and found everything just as Jesus had said. And they prepared the Passover meal there. Why do you think this is so secretive? Find a man, a man carrying a water pot. You go to the room, you know, this, this. Why is it so secretive, you think? And you can think back to that text that you read before just a couple minutes ago. Why do you think Jesus is so secretive and this is such a private thing? And the two, uh, the two apostles went and prepared it, but, but we don't hear anything more. You know, they didn't get the word out. So anybody else would be, well, notified and they'd be disrupted. Who's the one person they're really worried about and not worried from Jesus' point of, point of view, but who's the one that, that's, on the, that's on the move right now that you read about just a few moments ago? Yes, yeah, Satan through Judas to betray Jesus. And so, and so Jesus didn't want that to happen here. He wanted to spend time with his disciples here. Does that make sense? Yeah, they wanted it private. You're going to see in a moment, you know, I've earnestly waited for this moment. You see, Jesus, Jesus is taking the Passover meal and he's turning it into the Last Supper. It's changing forever. It's changing forever. And so this is the institution by which that's happening here. Wow. Let's go on. Verse 14. Uh, before I do that, let me just do this. I mean, just for those of you that want a review. Passover. Passover meal. What is the Passover meal? Jewish festival commemorating God's deliverance of Israel from Egypt and taking the Israelites out of Egyptian slavery. They celebrate that every year. God's deliverance of his people. Boy, when Jesus becomes our Passover lamb, what benefits has he given us and you today? Now, if you're here and you're going, ah, yeah, heard this before. Let's get on with the drink and the bread. Perhaps the world, the world has, has maybe infiltrated some parts of your heart that you shouldn't be happy about. So let's just, let's just let this sink in what's happening here. The first Passover corresponds to the 10th plague. The 10th plague, where Moses told the Israelites to sacrifice a lamb with its blood marked the doorposts and lintels. That's just the door frame, top and side. So the angel of death would pass over and not kill their firstborn male. Wow. This is pretty, this is, this is pretty intense. So this is what they're celebrating. This is what they're rejoicing in. 
at least at first. Verse 14, when the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you. Everything that he lived for was ready to come to fruition. It was his time finally. You see in the, in the text, in the Gospels, in the New Testament, but not yet his time, but not yet his time, but not yet his time. Evaded capture and, and, uh, and all this hurt and suffering. Until now, until now. I've been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. Verse 15, for I tell you now that I won't eat this meal until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. So if he's gonna, if this is the last supper and he doesn't do it again, he says, his words is fulfilled in the kingdom of God, he won't do it again till. That could be one of two times. So it could be the marriage supper of the, the lamb. And that's in Revelations 19.9. It could be that. Or it could be, as Ezekiel speaks about, a third temple. Where there's going to be a te- obviously a temple and there's going to be sacrifices. But not to atone for sin. What will that be like? So there's, there's two time frames that this could, this could fit in terms of future with Christians, with God's, with Jesus' bride. Two times. So Jesus, in Hebrews 4.15, he was tempted in every way, but did not sin. This is, this is Jesus Becoming humanity's representative for sacrifice. For you and for my sin, if we'll accept Jesus as our Lord and accept his payment as full, because it was. We talked about that last week, and what's funny is we talked about the peccability and impeccability of Christ last week, and we, we gave a defense for the peccability of Christ, and so, uh, so, by the way, this is not a commercial, but kind of. On Wednesday nights, the men meet in that, my little office up there, and uh, we have a great time. We talk about these kinds of things together um, that, um, that are scripturally based. But as we, as we go forward here, look at this. This should actually read 19 through 20, my mistake. Now we're at the part of the video. And he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. So let's dissect these these words a little bit. Let's take them down just a little bit. What's this mean, his body? What's the benefit of his body? Really? Do you want to know something that's not on the screen? It's free today with your attendance uh, because it's just a bonus. God allowed for 
substitutionary payment for our sins by someone else. That was Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.21, that was Jesus. He that knew no sin became sin. And we talked about it last week. No, he didn't sin. Don't have to go through that again. But he became our representative so that we could have our ugliness imputed to him and his righteousness imputed to us. This is what, this is what we're talking about. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. We knew that from the Old Testament. We did. Do you know how Jesus said? Well, actually, in the Old, Te in the Old Testament, God said, your sins are as far as the east is to the west in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament. Do you know what the New Testament says? The New Testament, in Christ, our sins are obliterated. Completely gone. That's one step better than from the east to the west. Obliterated in Christ. You get the picture. Jesus is everything. And yet, yet, we somehow think this world's got something better for us. It's silly. But yeah, we live in that little red space, you know, on that rope. Oh, for it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offering and sin offerings, you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. He knew he was going to die, and he knew it before time, before creation. He knew the plan, and he's given it to us. So, so I don't know if there's, not, if there's not any appreciation right now in your mind um, Quite possibly. Just, just pray a moment. Just pray a moment. And sometimes I got to do this. First John 1 John 1.9. I got to confess my sin. It was written to Christians. And he's faithful and just to forgive you your sin and purify you from all unrighteousness. Take a moment and do that so you can see. Have him illuminate his righteousness and his goodness to us this day. The bulls and... The blood of bulls and goats could only cover sin. Forward thinking and foreshadowing Christ's sacrifice. The one and only and the, the last sacrifice ever needed. How about his blood? How about his blood? How about his blood? But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, not the temple, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood. So he entered into heaven, entered into heaven, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing eternal redemption. Glory to God for that. And then look at this. It said in our passage that this is, this cup's the new covenant in my blood. 
the new covenant in my blood. Jeremiah wrote during the, the, the Babylonian exile for the southern kingdom, hundreds of years before Christ. And he says in Jeremiah 31, 31, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. You see, where's us? We're Gentiles. We were grafted in, according to the Apostle Paul. We were grafted in. So that's accurate. Look where it goes on to say. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. This, do, you see, do you see how God's redemptive purpose played out? Do you see why we're going from a, a Passover, uh, a Seder Passover meal okay, to, a, to a Last Supper? Because this sacrifice is way more significant. Way more significant. Does it make you thankful? Come on, somebody say something out loud. What are you thankful for? What is this sacrifice of Christ? What does this remembering make you thankful for? Somebody chime it out. If we don't have a state change now, I'm going to lose people because it's been too long of me talking. Somebody chime something out. It's for the brain. Yeah, our relationship. And he chose you, John 6, 44. Nobody comes to the Father unless they're drawn by the Father. Okay? Nobody comes to Christ unless they're drawn by the Father. John 6, 44. Thank you. Somebody else? Yeah, for life, for breath. And we learn Psalms 139, verse 16. All of our days written in his book before one took place. Oh, he's on us. Oh, he's on us. He's on to us. <laughs> he's on to me. <laughs> Especially when I try to pull a fast one, you know. <laughs> At the end of the day, I'm sitting there, you know, licking my wounds and confessing. I said, yeah, God, it was your way that was best. <laughs> Forgive me again. <laughs> Woo! but he's that good. What else are you thankful for? What else, what else today, right now? Because right now, some of us, some of us, we, 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 we just get bombarded with thoughts we shouldn't have because that's the nature of just what, what happens in life. So, so, so resist the devil. James 4, 7, he will flee. What else are we thankful for? Salvation, eternity. Yeah, with Jesus. What else? Yeah, daily blessings, new mercies, Lamentations 3, 23 and 20, 22 and 23. Yeah, new mercies every day for us. And we can take that as a timeless truth, not a temporal truth, not in that nature, not representing Yahweh. Mm-mm. Yeah, we remember, we remember. Trick question, trick question. By the way, next week we're going to start using outlines where you fill them in. Because if I'm out there, I'm bored within the first 15 minutes. And I'm like, I gotta do something else. So next week we start with outlines that'll be kind of helpful. By, by the way, if there's anybody that needs a book for next week that wants to do it this week, be tracking on the topics, I got them after the service. Make sure that you, uh, you, pick, you pick one up. I think most, most people that wanted to do the study or have it, but if you don't, there, there's the books. Hey, who killed Jesus? Makes, huh? Yeah, yeah, all of us. Well, gosh, you made that easy. Um, Jews, religious leaders, Romans, Satan, Judas, Pilate, God used all of their naughtiness in a perfect plan. And guess what? The true answer is Jesus did. The Father, but Jesus said this. Jesus said this. 
John 10, 17, and 18. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Oh, God, how did you orchestrate all that? Before time, that these key players would be being naughty? And, and you know what's funny is, is God's never to blame for somebody, um, for somebody not choosing him uh, for the naughtiness. So we got to be careful uh, about that or thinking that. Hey, to finish up here, and then, Gary, I'm going to have you come forward here in just a minute to give the instructions. Look at the connection about Jesus and this meal and what he did to transform it. Look at the connection here. Look at the connection here. The lamb was to be without defect, Exodus 12.5, for the Passover, okay? 1 Peter 1.9, Jesus was our lamb without blemish or defect, a sinless sacrifice, 2 Corinthians 5.21. Wow. The lamb was to be sacrificed without breaking a bone, Exodus 12.46. Jesus was crucified and not a bone was broken, John 19.36 in Psalm 3420. The lamb was to be sacrificed on the 14th of Nisan at twilight between 3 and 6 p.m., Exodus 12, 6. Jesus was sacrificed on the 14th day of Nisan and died at the ninth hour, which is 3 p.m. Roman time. This is... This is, this is wild. You think Stranger Things has the corner on, on, on weirdness and wildness. This, oh my goodness. The blood of the lamb was God's merciful gift to save his people in Egypt. The blood of Jesus was God's merciful provision to save both Jews and Gentiles in the world. 